Hi, this is Alina Kanner and Megan Barrington, and you're listening to Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast, where we dive into all things health, wellness, and fitness. We are two certified athletic trainers who met and graduated together from the University of Arkansas, and we wanted to do this podcast to spread our joy about treating our bodies well through nutrition, exercise, and knowledge. Today's guest is Casey Miller, soon to be Casey Storley. Casey is the owner of Killer Nutrition and is a national level Olympic weightlifter competing out of Brooklyn Barbell Club. She is a past collegiate D1 softball player and she graduated with a degree in disciplinary studies and a focus on nutrition and family consumer studies. She's my teammate at Brooklyn Barbell Club, so I've gotten to know her pretty well over the last few months as we've trained together. She has so much knowledge to share and we really hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Casey. Welcome to Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast. How are you doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having me on here. We're so happy that you're on. We wanted to start a little bit. Um, We just talked about you and we talked about your background in nutrition. So we just wanted to dive a little deeper into what being a nutrition coach means to you and talk a little bit about Killer Nutrition, your business. Definitely. Definitely. Well, um, Killer Nutrition is an online nutrition coaching company. Um, predominantly, predominantly, my clients are lifestyle, but I do help with performance uh, due to being a performance athlete, a weightlifter. Um, I like to kind of dive into that. Um, it is fun, but lifestyle coaching is is where it's at. I really enjoy that. Um, um, what's the next question? <laughs> <laughs> Tangent number one. I swear, that's how we do these podcasts. It's great. Yeah. So- your I background. Edited. No, no, <laughs> well, it's we not. We have like and bloopers I, at the end of like Casey's weird faces because I'll make a lot. <laughs> no, I so. secretly wish that Alina had been recording that entire time that we were just talking for like 15 minutes because it was awesome. Yeah. Super organic. Uh, I know. Which is how we want it to be. Um, so I wanted to ask, and I know Alina already said this, but how did you get into nutrition? So like, did you study in college? Was it always a part of your life or yeah. did it kind of come up because of something you experienced? Definitely. Um, so definitely was not a part of my life, uh, for the majority of my life. Um, growing up, I was a heavier set kid. I was in sports, but I never really understood how food related to my life and how it could help me. Um, and then growing up just because I was uneducated, I, um, relied on food a lot to, uh, help me feel better. And like a lot of people, that emotional connection, it's a security blanket. It's there when we feel good. It's there when we feel bad. And I definitely had that connection. And then as I got older, I had a little bit of problems with anxiety, um, specifically social anxiety. Um, Social experiences were really difficult for me to connect with people. And so um, I didn't have a lot of friends, so I turned to food until eventually I found alcohol and um alcohol helped me open up and, and and actually talk to people and then I started having a little bit um an abusive relationship I wouldn't say I was an alcoholic but it, it was definitely an abusive relationship with alcohol and then food on top of it I got very heavy um and because again I was uneducated I went through these periods of yo-yo dieting where I would just not eat anything I would lose a bunch of weight and then all of a sudden because it wasn't sustainable and it wasn't healthy, I would then do the exact opposite and I would just binge and then trickling down. I mean, just like the domino effect, it led into, um, 
temporarily having eating disorders through college, um, binging and purging. I would eat a lot and then I would purge. And um, it was difficult, definitely. And I think one of the main reasons why I did that is just because I was so uneducated about everything, right? I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to fix things. Um, it wasn't until I got into college um, and I was very overweight. And my coach told me that I needed to go home during the off season and do something to help me get back into shape. And also during that time, I was having difficulty with drinking, um, had a few scares here and there with my family. And my dad's like, there's a CrossFit gym down the street. You're going there to keep yourself out of trouble and to get back into shape. And honestly, probably the biggest game changer of my life going into that community, having people bring them, bring me under their wing and teach me what it is to be healthy and actually take care of myself. And also I was surrounded by people that cared about me, right? That community was huge. And so I completely turned my life around, um, lost a lot of weight in a healthy way, started caring about myself, started hanging around the better people. And then my senior year of college, um, I finally got into a nutrition class and in, in school, I was not my best suit. Like I was, I was definitely one of those dumb jocks, right? I played softball <laughs> in college, just seized got degrees. Right. And so when I went into the nutrition nice. class, that was the only class I got an A in. It came easy. Wow. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like super interesting. It was like the only class I was like sitting down and studying for. So Ever since then, it just kind of trickled down, just got into nutrition um, a little bit more when I was a CrossFit coach. And then somebody came out to me and they're like, you know what? You know a little bit about nutrition. Have you ever thought about becoming a nutrition coach? And it was kind of like a light bulb. And I just went from there and got a certification and then um, built Killer Nutrition from the bottom up um, a couple of years ago. It's still a fairly new business and we're still building, definitely. But um, it's it's... I love it. It's not a job. It's, it's uh, honestly, like, I absolutely love it. Helping people prevent them from making the mistakes or helping them to recover from mistakes that I've made in the past. That's like my main goal. I never thought that I was going to be rich off of this. I never thought this was going to be a glorious job, but, um, the idea of helping people not make the same mistakes as I did in the past, it just, uh, feels like a purpose. So. Wow. That was great. You're being completely honest with that. Um, yeah. So, okay. Obviously you're super passionate and there are a ton of nutrition coaches out there. I mean, Alina and I are both nutrition coaches as well. Not all of them own their own business, but what sets, what do you try to do differently than, you know, your run of the mill nutrition coach? Yeah. Um, I think that because of my background, um, I was not in shape my whole life, the exact opposite. Um, because of that, and then also I have experience of being a lifestyle person. I have an experience of being an athlete. Um, it gives me a lot of perspective. It helps me um, relate to a lot of different people, um, which in turn allows me to create a better relationship with my clients, right? You see a lot of these online nutrition coaching companies where it's like, great, here's your macros, hit them. Oh, you didn't hit them this week? Let's try it better next week. And and what I do is I like talk to my clients face-to-face. -face. I have face-to-face -face, uh, conversations 
um, if I can, if we're in the same area or we do it over the phone, right? And then we also have intense um, check-ins every single week. And if I feel like my client is feeling a little off, I'm like, hey, dude, do you have time this afternoon? Can we talk? Let's, let's talk about why you're struggling with this. Is it because um, you're having trouble figuring out what food you need to eat or is it because of something else in your life? Are you stressed? Is there something that we can help with that? Like, it's more of a um, creating more of a rapport with our clients rather than just being like, here's your numbers, hit them, great, do it again, right? That doesn't make a change, so. Um, my mom just might be in the background. <laughs> I see her. <laughs> just making me laugh. We love um, Ellen. So just about being a nutrition coach and what you've done with Killer Nutrition specifically, is there, what is the hardest part about being a nutrition coach? What do you find the most difficult part and what, what would you, what advice would you give to people that do want to go into a nutrition and are just trying to figure it out and they're at the very start to their career? Yeah. Um, like as a nutrition coach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the hardest things that I've had to kind of come to terms with as a nutrition coach is that you can't help everybody. They don't want it. They're not willing to put the effort into it. You can't do anything about it. Right. All you can do is present the information to help them assess through what they need to be doing. But if they're not willing to put the work in, if they're not willing to, um, make changes in your life, that's not on you. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's hard, especially when you're somebody who really does want to make a difference in somebody's life. It hurts when a client reaches out to you and they're like, this is just not working. Right. Like you always take a step back and you're like, did I do something wrong? Could I have mm-hmm. done something better? Right. And sometimes it's, it's known. Sometimes it's right. them. Sometimes it's just not their time in their life to make the change. Right. So um, understand that that's going to happen and you got to be okay with it. You got to be okay with somebody being like, no, sorry, this isn't working. And they just go back to what they were doing before. So, yeah. Um, so back when you were talking about like your lifestyle in college, and this is like, <laughs> obviously most people drink alcohol, like, <laughs> I would, I don't know what percentage of our population, but I would say people drink because it's like yes. a pretty normal thing to do. Um, and in college, they, I mean, you're almost like an acceptable alcoholic in college. I would say exactly. most of my friends probably were. Uh, I don't know the exact definition of an alcoholic, but I would say that they probably were. Um, how do you fit it into your life now? Um, or, and how do you kind of approach that with, with clients? Because I know that that, I mean, alcohol is social. It's fun people I mean it's not in moderation obviously it's not gonna like make or break you unless you know you're a physique competitor in prep or something like that but uh, how do you how do you fit that and how do you approach that because that's kind of a sensitive topic for a lot of people I know in my personal experience with my relationship with alcohol I actually quit cold turkey for a couple years and then I was thinking to myself one year and I was like you know what like the alcohol is has such a hold over my life, right? Like I'm just like, there's no in between either I drink a ton or I don't. Maybe I just need to practice on creating balance, right? Nobody ever really taught me how to do it. Maybe I don't necessarily, I'm not an alcoholic. I just need to practice creating that balance. So um, throughout the years, I've been slowly drinking 
and I only do it in the company of my family and my fiance and very, very close friends. And if I do, I have a max number of drinks, right? And I make sure that I drink water in between and pace myself um, because when I was in college, there was no in between. I would either drink to the point where I was blacked out and drunk Casey is not fun. Tipsy Casey is fun. Drunk Casey is not. She's a, she's a, excuse my language, she's a shit show. Um, there's times where I would wake up the next day if I remembered what happened, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm annoying myself right now, right? That's not fun for anybody. So I always try to create a balance and everything like that. And I feel like now I have a lot better relationship with alcohol. I don't drink a lot, especially as a competitive weight class athlete. There's a time and a place I probably drink maybe once a month in the off season. Um, holidays is a little bit more often because I'm with my family. Um, but it's not a huge impact on my life personally. But in turn, some clients, that's part of their life, right? They enjoy beer or they enjoy a glass of wine. And instead of being like, no, you can't drink, that's unrealistic because they, they had a, a balanced relationship with alcohol. There was no negative impact in their life. They were just probably not um, – fitting it into their goals, right? Maybe they're overeating along with drinking, not counting for that alcohol does have calories yeah, or I, they were just not keeping track of the drinks and, or the types of drinks, right? Like margaritas have a lot of calories, but if you do some type of healthier version, it can reduce the calories. You can still enjoy those drinks, right? So um, I kind of just assess my client's relationship with alcohol, whether it's um, a very healthy relationship or not, right? And then I kind of figure out, help them figure out how to balance it, right? Help them realize that it does have calories. If we can make an adjustment with um, how many drinks they have, what kind of drinks or anything like that. And then we go from there. And um, I'm not there to tell them what to do. I'm, I'm there to help them assess their progress and help them make the decision of whether or not they should be going down or whether or not they should just not drink or, or anything like that. Right. Um, I think one of the most difficult things about nutrition is that we have to learn how to be independent with our adjustments, with our nutrition, right? Like a lot of, a lot of people are going with these meal plans and macros and, and diets that like are super rigid and they do a really good job but then what happens when it's done, right? It's not sustainable. Right. You can't apply it to like, what if I want to go out on vacation? What do I do now? Like you have to be able to take ownership and make adjustments as you need to. So spoon feeding people, the answer is not, it's not conducive. It's not going to do anything. You've got to allow them to make mistakes and assess it from there. So that's what I do when, when it comes to alcohol and most things with nutrition too. So Definitely. I think the thing with a lot of macro coaches, especially the ones that just give you your macros and they just tell you to hit the numbers, they don't really assess where that person is at and they could be doing that. And I mean, for me personally, it, it was hard to get the numbers and I'm a very um, numbers-based person. So I would hit the numbers and I'd want to, let's say, go out to dinner and totally stop myself from doing that social activity. Whereas yeah. like what you're saying is creating that balance and how that actually could be um, way better for the person's long longevity in nutrition. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. 
I have, I have clients who have been with macro counting coaches, some of the big name ones, I'm not going to name any names, but they right. become so wrapped up with the number that it actually creates, um, a negative impact on their health. And, right. and I've also coached people like, Hey, we're not weighing yourself. We're not doing any macros, nothing. You're focusing on quality of food, using your hands as like portion sizes and just enjoy your life. Right. Like learn how to, um, understand that you're not going to make or break your progress if you're a couple macros over or anything like that. I always tell my clients it's memories over macros. If your macros are getting um, in the way of you creating memories, meaningful memories in, within your life, it's not helping you. It's only hurting you. So I love that. Memories over macros. I've never heard that before. I love it. That's great. Yeah. I, I can't take, I can't take, um, ownership of that. I think I've heard that on a podcast or some other nutrition coach. Um, but I loved it and, and I used it. So yeah, that's great. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the macros versus like whole foods or like just working on the quality of your food. Because I know, I mean, it obviously as, as a coach, it's definitely easier for you to just be like, okay, their expenditure is this. So we're going to set their calories at this, and their numbers at this, but that person, especially if they're the type of person who doesn't have any kind of nutrition knowledge at all. And they're just like going to a lot of time with hitting macros, like you're going to things that have nutrition labels, right? Right. Yeah. So going to things that are processed a lot of the time. Um, and I mean, you can hit your macros with a, with pop tarts and like protein powder if you yeah. wanted to, but you're yeah. not going to be hitting any of your micronutrients. You're not going to be actually like fueling the small processes in your body that are actually, you know, necessary to get to where you want to be and like actually sustain you as a human being. Um, so talk a little bit about, kind of how you approach that with people, like how you educate them or help them kind of choose, choose micronutrient rich foods versus just fitting their macros. Yeah. 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 So I always, I always tell my clients like to prioritize their goals, right? Yes. To the base core. Yes. It's calories in versus calories out. Of course, nutrition is far more complicated than that, but like that's one of the basic things that somebody should start with. Right. Um, and then from there, we work on making sure that they get enough protein. Right. And then making sure that protein that they get has quality nutrients. Right. You can eat perfect macros. Right. But if that's filled with crappy food that does not make you feel good, you're still going to feel like crap. Right. And if you feel like crap, even if you lose weight, that's not sustainable. And we're looking for something that's sustainable that you can carry on for the rest of your life. So if you fill those, macros or calories or whatever with nutrient dense foods majority of the time and then fit in the, the flexibility depending on your goals or anything like that that's going to be far more sustainable and you're going to feel way better and you're going to have a much better quality of life um so i start with protein just because protein is awesome for you it helps you build muscle it helps you um, recover it helps you get stronger and a bunch of other different um benefits from it and then we work into quality of food right um making sure that you're getting healthy fats healthy carbs making sure that you're getting something green on your plate sometimes right some people just it's foreign to them to eat vegetables like three to four cups of vegetables or whatever yeah. right um and then it goes into fats and carbs right it's um 
another thing that I, I, I've heard on a podcast, they call it flexible macro counting. And I fell in love with it and I use it too. It's, you have your set amount of calories, right? And you have protein because you do need a certain amount of protein depending on your goals, right? But then the fats and the carbs are adjustable, right? Just as long as you stay within the calories, because in terms of um, lifestyle and aesthetics, the ratio of fats and carbs isn't as important as being consistent with the calories in, in sustainability, right? If you are a macro counter and you're trying to be perfect with the fats and carbs, and at the end of the day, you're, you're ending up with these Frankenstein meals just to fit into mm -hmm. macros. Like nobody wants to eat egg whites with like those. butter on it or something weird like that just to hit your macros. It's weird. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. what if I want to go on the weekend and eat a freaking burger? Cool. Eat a burger. Just make sure you stay within the calories and then, like, try to hit your protein as much as possible. That is going to be far more sustainable. And um, you're actually going to enjoy your food way better than being a specific macro counter. Honestly, I tell my clients that, like, if macro counting helps you, like, if it's adding value to your life, okay, cool. Right? But if it's not, take it away just hit your calories because in, in in reality the people that should be um really focusing on macros are those who are trying to manipulate manipulate their weight and or their physique so those body competitors or weight class athletes and even then they do it for a very short amount of time because in my personal opinion it's not sustainable like i always tell people can you imagine to do can you imagine doing this for the rest of your life can you imagine yourself at 80 years old chilling with your family, pulling out your mind fitness pal and counting macros. No. Okay. Well then let's use it as a tool. Let's learn how to do it so we can pull it out of our toolbox whenever we need to, but let's also develop tools that will help us. So that way when we're 80, we can just look at a plate and we're like, man, that's good enough. And it is because we took the time to learn different tools within our toolbox or the healthy life lifestyle habits that will in turn allow us to be like that later. Right. So macro counting is not essential. It is a very valuable tool, especially when you're trying to educate people that have never portion controlled at all. Right. But, um, yeah, it's, it's something that should, we shouldn't rely on only. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, your expenditure every day isn't the same either. And people don't even realize that. And labels are off by like what, 20 or 30% sometimes. Yeah. Also. Like, FDA allows 20%. And then, you know, that most companies are going to go on that lower end just because the new craze is like less calories for your food. Right. Yeah. So it's very, very off. Yeah. Um, it's it. And like, I always thought, like, I always talk to people. It's like, wouldn't you rather just wake up and like not think about weighing your food and not think about counting macros because it just yeah. comes naturally like to the portion control and like assessing yourself on intuitive eating mm -hmm. right but we can't intuitive eat until we learn those things right if you've never known what an actual portion of peanut butter is like how are you supposed to be intuitively eating your correct amount of portions for your goals right we, yeah. we, we spend so much time putting our body on mute because we have long work hours and we don't get enough sleep. We don't have the time because we have to take care of kids, stress levels, things like that. We have our body on mute so long that when we do turn it on, we don't know how to listen to it. We don't know how to be like, okay, I am hungry. Maybe I should eat more or, Hey, I'm full. Maybe I shouldn't eat more. Right. So, um, learning those tools helps you develop 
the ability to listen to your body. But you can't just do it like that if you've never listened to your body right away. So for sure. Um, we could touch even a little bit on what you were just talking about, how you can at first use macro tracking to understand uh, your body and become a little more intuitive. I know personally, um, I've, I tracked my macros for five years and we've talked about this before. And the past two months, I took a break off tracking macros and it's been really interesting. So how do you really work on uh, coaching those who maybe don't want to track macros or do you start with macro tracking and then maybe uh, put them into a more lifestyle um, habits with not yeah. as much tracking? Like what do you do for a client that comes to you like that? So if they have no education whatsoever on portion control or anything like that, I do like to start them off with um, macro counting, right? Um, it's more like the calories with the protein, right? I right. don't necessarily start them with the macro counting. I guess you would do the macro counting on the protein just because that is really, really important. Uh, I find that most people are extremely low on their protein intake, right? And not only does it help build muscle and help with um, organ function and everything like that, it also helps you keep, stay satiated, right? It takes longer for your body to break it down so you don't feel as hungry, right? And then... Right. Um, then I will move into, okay, this is quality of food, right? Making sure that they understand that quality food is extremely important. And then we move into balance, right? Like how do you create that balance of like eating 85, 95% of the time, depending on your goals and the timeline and everything like that. And then how to fit in like, Hey, I want chocolate. Okay, cool. Have a chocolate, right? You don't need to feel guilty. This is how we can kind of fit it in, find your own balance from there. And then from there, I'll teach them how to kind of keep track of their fats and carbs, right? Um, but I don't just jump right into, hey, this is your protein, fats and carbs, hit them now. Right, right. right? Like, I make sure that we prioritize the things that really do matter, right? And then if they want a day where they're flexible on the weekend, they can go to that flexible macro counting. Or if they're like, hey, I'm looking for a challenge, Right. I want to, I want to hit this weight by this time, which I'm totally okay with people having a challenge as long as it's improving their quality of life. Then I will do the proteins, uh, the, the fats and carbs ratio, making sure that they're getting it. And, um, I'll also pull it out when people are doing certain goals. Some people want to try a high fat, low carb diet, see if they like it or, um, like, us, like us, Alina, like we're trying to do a little bit of a higher fat um, yeah. diet to help with our hormones and everything like that. So macro counting in that way, not necessarily like this is my numbers. I have to hit it. It's more like, okay, I just want to make sure that my food is hitting a certain ratio that my goals are lined up with. Right. right. A little bit more of like a nourishing viewpoint rather than a restrictive uh, viewpoint. I want to segue, you just talked a little bit about hormones, and I wanted to segue a little bit into the idea of birth control. And I know that me and you, I mean, I, we were training for every time you come here to Brooklyn, I see you, which is amazing. And I love it because um, then I'm not the only girl. But yeah. um, we have talked about birth control in the past and how it can um, really impact. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. just dive into your um, adventures, I should say, with birth control the last <laughs> few months. <laughs> yeah, so um, just a little background. Um, 
in high school and college, I had really, really bad problems with acne. Mm-hmm. Um, I had um, extremely irregular periods. Sometimes they would be fine, not bad. Sometimes they would be absolutely atrocious and I'd be stuck on the ground. Right. And I got so frustrated with it. Somebody was like, just go on the birth control. It's fine. It'll regulate it. It'll take away your acne. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Easy way out. Right. Nobody explained to me that like simply just making sure I slept and I didn't drink all the time and I didn't eat all the food. (laughs) It would have gotten better automatically. I didn't have to go to birth control. And and I think that's possible. Most likely, and this is, I'm sure that you can relate to this and a lot of women can relate to this. We don't, we aren't educated about yeah. our body and how it actually works. I right? mean, like, yeah, we're not so complicated and it's such a, it's such a sensitive topic. People are like, I don't want to talk about it. Just take the pill. Right. Fix everything. Right. And it's, it's a little bit frustrating, but <laughs> it is what it is. Right. Um, and then like I experienced some problems, but I didn't know that they were happening. I didn't know it was not normal. And then I started talking to you, Alina, about your experience of birth control and what you were going through. And and you were listing off some of the things that you're experiencing and some of the, and then I started doing my own research and I started seeing these things. I'm like, uh, I, I have that. I'm experiencing that. I do that. And, um, like some of the things and I'll go into detail. Um, some of the things I was experiencing is I was not sleeping. Um, at the worst, I was probably getting about four to five hours of sleep. I'd be waking up every couple of hours. I was extremely anxious in bed. Like I hated going to bed. I can like, relate. And that is not sustainable it. for an Olympic weightlifter no. who's weird. We, I mean, the amount of training we are doing, the amount of volume that mm-hmm. we are doing to not sleep a full seven plus hours a night you can't function well. You yeah. and not you that's can't function well as a human. And then no. and then you're adding like people the just don't realize it. Yeah. Exactly. And here's the way a lot of people don't realize I'm gonna say this is that seven hours is like the bare necessity for Minimum. you to function as a human being, period. All right. Let alone adding a couple of hours of training every single day. Ideally an Olympic lifter that's training five to nine times a week should be getting anywhere from like eight at the minimum to about 10 with some naps. Like that's ideal, but because of our lifestyle and for some of us, like me and you, Alina, our hormones are kind of getting in the way. It, yeah. it was an obvious thing that I needed to change. Um, some other things that I was dealing with is um, I was losing my hair. Yeah. Um, my hair significantly thinner. I mean, I had a lot of hair. I have fine hair, but I had a lot of hair. I've had multiple hairdressers that were like, oh my gosh, this is going to take a while because I just have so much. <laughs> Right. And then, um, like six months ago, I went to my hairdresser and that I've seen for years. Um, really good friend of mine, Taryn, love you, Taryn. <laughs> um, she was like, uh, your hair is a little bit thinner. And I was like, no. <laughs> and so, um, with that, and then I was going through, I just didn't feel like myself. Like I yeah. honestly did not feel normal. I, I was just anxious all the time I was got I had my super highs where I would be like on top of the world getting stuff done and then like two days later I was on like a crash could barely get out of bed I was like stress sick right how long were you on the pill yes I was on the pill during that time yeah how long how long oh how long um sorry oh since 
on and like since freshman year of college and then like I tried different things I tried the pill that didn't work because I forgot it all the time um I did the Nuva ring for a little while until I got to um Murina and I had that for about seven years um and I was reading some of the symptoms of having birth control and mood swings and inability to deal with anxiety and losing your hair and inability to sleep and all that stuff was symptoms of the birth control and then also you got to put on top of it like I travel a lot yeah I have my own business and I am a weightlifter that's that's quite a bit of stress and then you put on top of it my body's not responding well to birth control it was just kind of finally just crashing it was just like enough's enough like you I'm sending you all the signs you need to do something so with the encouragement of Elena and a few other people um I decided to take birth control out and um it's been a roller coaster it's been hard but um yeah. How are you feeling? What do you feel that is different right now than, I mean, yeah. you, th- what did you stop like three months ago? I, yeah, if I so remember. three months ago, about three months ago right now. Um, I still have not gotten my period, which is understandable if you don't have your, like an actual period for about seven years, it's going to take a while for it to come back. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I still haven't gotten my period yet. Um, still waiting on that. Right. But, uh, with that, I also added weight. I was competing as a 59 and I think adding weight definitely helps. My strength has gone up a lot. Um, I did get injured, so I'm still rebuilding, but it's just, it's skyrocketed within a month's time. Um, and then I'm sleeping finally, like seriously, if you go through a very long time of not sleeping and all of a sudden you sleep, you appreciate it. (laughs) I wanted to cry. I was so happy. Like I remember texting my coach and like, yeah, cool. I just had a a post PR squat, but guess what? I slept seven hours last night. The best feeling. Yes. That was great. Right. So it's better. It's not fixed by any means. This is going to be a long process, right? Um, But I am getting about seven and a half hours of sleep on average and only waking waking up about once a night now, which is night and day difference. Um, I am able to deal with anxiety better. Um, I don't have these high and lows all the time. Um, My performance has gone up a lot. So it's looking up. I'm really excited. That's amazing. Yeah. What a journey. Are you... um are you taking any supplements to kind of help like support anything with now that you're off birth control? Just out of curiosity, because I know that it can deplete a lot of um, nutrients in your body. Yes. And we're never educated on that, right? They'll put you on birth control. I was only on birth control for one year, but they don't always educate you on what birth control depletes. And And I don't know if they know. People also, I mean, you got to think about why people are taking it. So obviously this podcast is not meant to like just bash birth control because Mm -hmm. honestly, if you don't want an unwanted pregnancy, don't want an unwanted pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to, you do something right. So right. obviously that's like up to everyone, but I just think that we should be educated a little bit more because our, our health and especially if it's for like a symptom thing, which I want to pull all the women I know and figure out how many have ever been on birth control because they had acne or they had bad symptoms or we've whatever. talked about we this. To look into like how uh-huh. you're eating and how you're sleeping and how you're stressed out all the time because yeah. everyone is like, or it like blows my the, mind. do you wash your sheets? Like 
Yeah. Like something yeah. as simple Dang. as that. Something and so complex can't be explained by something so simple as washing your sheets. No. Right. That's something you cool. do every single day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. But um anyway, I do supplement with um magnesium definitely. Uh once the for one thing, it does help with um sleep by far and as an athlete it helps with muscle recovery, but it also does help with um hormone health as well. So I've been taking that regularly. Um, I take um, omega-3s for inflammation and joint health because, again, um, being a weightlifter can be hard on your joints if you don't take care of them. And then D3 for mood, and and um, I also take this thyroid support that has iodine, zinc, um, a little bit more magnesium in there, and um, B vitamins as well because that's huge. That can be depleted. But majority of my work is through my food. Um, your food is your medicine. Uh, the first thing that you should address when anything is off, whether it's hormones or you're sick or you're injured or you're ex- like you're stressed should be through your food. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on getting more quality of food. I raise up my fat levels because fat is a precursor for hormone health. So I've been doing that as well. Um, being on, um, being a weight class athlete, um, especially, especially when you're a fast twitch muscle athlete, like weightlifting, it's a lot of carbs, right? So one of the things that weightlifters do is lower down their fats, raise up their carbs to help with their performance. Well, if your hormones aren't working, your performance isn't going to be very good. So we raise up the fat um, and then focus on quality of food. Like I'm eating whole eggs instead of egg whites. Um, I'm eating more red meat um, and then uh, organ meat as well. Like Everybody's talking about superfoods, like acai berries and everything like that. In actuality, one of the best superfoods that you can ever eat, one of the most micronutrient-dense foods that you can eat is organ meat. Um, so lungs, heart, liver, um, meat with bones in it for bone marrow, um, things like that. So I've been doing that more. And then uh, just making sure I'm eating single ingredient foods a little bit more. And I'm also experimenting with uh, – reducing or removing um, gluten and um, milk dairy um, just to see if that will help out with my acne as well. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been a really good experience. I'm having fun with it actually kind of geeking I, out. <laughs> I, uh, I, um, I did the whole 30 in June just because I, <laughs> I mean, I've always been a kind of a health nut, but I knew that I wasn't really eating as healthy as I usually did. And my body since my last competition, I kind of just like slowly started putting more and more processed shit into it. Sorry for my <laughs> French. Um, and so I was like, oh, screw it. I'm going to do the whole 30. I've never done it before. I think it'd be good, you know, experience. Cause I mean, honestly, I didn't expect to notice all the differences that I noticed, but I had like a hunch that dairy kind of didn't sit well with me. And I think honestly, it hasn't always been that way. I think potentially like the stress and like the organ depletion that I had and the GI depletion that I had from competing and like getting down to like sub 10% body fat, um, was potentially something that, you know, made me at a predisposition for maybe a dairy intolerance. But when I took dairy out, my acne went away. So yeah. I'm excited for you to be, you know, doing this for a while, just cause I feel like it's probably going to be the same for you. And I think yeah. for a lot of people, and it sucks cause like I love ice cream and I like yogurt and like things like that. But I, every time I ate yogurt, I was like, this is not fun. yeah so yeah you know yeah 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 i am yeah. also i don't eat i stopped eating gluten almost almost three years ago which is pretty crazy and i stopped eating dairy three months ago about actually more than that but 
dairy, I actually read a statistic that 65% of our population cannot digest dairy well. And I always, I thought that was interesting because I was like, I'm never going to give up dairy. I remember saying like a couple months back, I was like, I'll never give it up. I love my yogurt. I love ice cream. But honestly, coconut milk ice cream is just as good. There's like a little bit of a twist to it. That's But it's also good. (laughs) It's different. (laughs) It is different for sure. Um, I mean, and yeah. Go ahead. I could, I could literally talk forever about that. So I will just shut my mouth. My ice cream? Me too. <laughs> no, just nutrition. And like, honestly, I mean, if you guys, if someone loves ice cream, like just, just having an awareness of potentially if you're putting things in your body and you are like chronically inflamed, maybe looking into your nutrition is a good idea, but also it's important to like enjoy your life. Cause if you get hit by a truck tomorrow, that's not going to have anything to do with your nutrition. Right. And if you yeah. didn't have ice cream today because you're worried about having like problems in the future, then it's just not worth it. So just having an awareness is what I hope to give to people. Oh yeah, definitely. 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 And going into that, like a lot of people, when I talk to them, they're like, I feel fine. I don't need nutrition coaching. And I'm like, okay, two things. All right. One, uh, I don't know about you, but I don't want to feel fine. I want to feel excuse my language, but fucking great. Like I want to feel awesome. I want to thrive. Right. So if you're okay with feeling fine, totally. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but if you want to try to take it to the next step, why not? Right. And then the second thing is, it's like, how do you know that you feel fine? Right. What do you have anything to compare it to? Have you ever felt amazing before? And then now you know that you're not like, most people have been eating the same way of crappy food, high sugar diets, not paying attention to how much or what they're eating and everything like that, that their your body is extremely smart. It wants to survive. It will adapt to whatever you throw at it. Right. So yeah, it's going to normalize feeling crappy. So, but like, if you've never taken the step to see if improving your diet makes you feel better, then how do you know you feel fine? Right? Yeah. So. I mean, I agree with that 100%. You don't know how good you feel until you've felt great. And yeah. that's for everybody. And everybody yeah. needs awareness on that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go into being an Olympic weightlifter. Um, you've been doing it for a little while. Um, I love training with you at Brooklyn Barbell with Blanco. It's super yeah. fun. I absolutely love when you come into town and when I'm training too, but that we'll get there. Um, yeah. Talk about your relationship with your coach and also talk a little bit about your traveling. How do you manage traveling and being an athlete? Tell us a little bit about what your set situation is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I met my coach, Coach Blanco, um, through actually a CrossFit weightlifting seminar. I was a CrossFit coach, just, just a coach, and then they did hour-long classes, maybe a little bit more extra just because I was really passionate about it, but wasn't very competitive. And he saw me lifting within the meet. He was like, hey, you want to compete? I'm like, sure, why not? And um, from there, he was like, here's the thing. It's a commitment, right? If you want to do this, this is a commitment. And so I spoke with my family and everything like that, and we agreed that it it was something that I could definitely do. And then from there, I fell in love with it right? Um, I was a competitive athlete growing up, wasn't very good because I didn't take care of myself, but I still had the competitive edge. So when you presented that opportunity to be competitive again, I was thinking of it as a second opportunity to kind of go after my dreams, right? Like I've always wanted to be a competitive athlete. I just never knew how to do it. And now that I have better tools to do it, let's freaking go. Right. And so 
I ended up quitting my full-time job. It was a great job. I had a great boss, everything. I ended up quitting my job. And then we ended up moving across the country twice in six months for us to be able in a position where we could um, sustain being a, an athlete because it, like weightlifting, there's a reason why not a lot of people do it. It's hard and it's a commitment and you do have to kind of, if you want to be a competitive athlete, like you do kind of have to have this lifestyle that supports it, like getting eight to nine hours of sleep, making sure that you have time to train, making sure you have time to recover and make all your food. So, um, I went in through that transition and then also I'm a remote athlete, right? I right. live in Phoenix, Arizona right now. And my coach and my team is up in Brooklyn, New York. So that causes me to have to travel a lot, especially because I've only, um, been in the sport for about two years. Right. I haven't had a lot of experience with it. Um, but maybe not a lot of experience, but you've been doing really great for the last two years. You had a pretty good weekend this last weekend too. So yeah, it was so much fun. Uh, you competed that, on that that it was so much fun. Yeah. And, and so traveling, it's been hard. I fly out there. Um, I would do it quite frequently because it was, um, I wasn't to the point where I could sustain it all by myself, right? I was still learning the basics. I was still learning how to do things. And I'm a very hands-on person. You can tell me what to do and I'll be like, what? You show it to me or it's hands-on, then I start clicking. And so we recognize that. And so I just flew up a lot and, and it was hard. It's a lot of balancing. I ended up having to uh, quit full-time coaching at CrossFit. I had to quit any full-time job that required me to be in one place. And, and Killer Nutrition was great because um, I can do it remotely. I can do it from anywhere. So that's a really cool thing about um, being an online nutrition coach is you get to travel a lot. And you can have the ability to travel a lot. So right. I did that. Um, balancing that is hard. Uh, and even it says that traveling a lot is not hard. It is. Right. And especially when uh, you have to do a time difference, that's also another thing, trying to get used to that. It's a lot of stress on the body. So whenever I travel, I always have to make sure that I'm um, preparing for that and making sure that I'm recovering for that and all that stuff. And then when I come home, there's a good week where I'm like recovering from traveling a lot because it's pretty hard on the body. Yeah. Right? So very hard. Yeah. And you're not even from Arizona. No, I was born and raised in Nebraska, right? <laughs> oh uh, <laughs> Nebraska my whole life. And then up to move to Houston, Texas. Um, my fiance got a job down there and um, didn't work out. And he got another job opportunity in Arizona. So we moved here. Um, and we've been here ever since. We really do like it. It's nice. It's warm. You don't have to deal with <laughs> long winters mm -hmm. or the crazy up and down weather. It's sunny every single day. The only crappy thing is it gets kind of hot in the summer. That's but winters are so much fun. They're gorgeous. So. I think Megan and I need to plan a trip to Arizona. Oh, yeah. Out there. But you're actually Maybe headed to December. I know. Or January. You're headed yes. to Nebraska next week. Right, yeah. aren't you? Do you want to tell yeah. us your big news? <laughs> oh, yes, I am getting married. Yay. Next so week. exciting. It's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you um, very much. I'm very excited. I'm sure it's a huge life event. What is something that you like advice that you would give to somebody who is going to be an Olympic weightlifter um, mm -hmm. and, and looking into Olympic weightlifting? 
that's the first question. The second question is what advice would you give to somebody who wants to be a nutrition coach? So what's your advice pretty much is what I'm asking. <laughs> Uh-oh. Did they connect? Still there? Yes. Can you hear me? <laughs> oh, okay. No, okay. There we go. There we go. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> so um, I think I've heard both of them, right? So one is uh, what advice would you give to Olympic lifters when they want to start? And then the second one is nutrition coaches. Yes. Okay. So the, um, if you want to start being an Olympic lifter, I would say do it, um, for the love of it. Cause it's a long process. It is, it's, um, you have, it's a mastery sport, right? It's all about technique. Like you can be the strongest person in the world, but that does not mean you're going to be able to snatch a clean nature. If you have to dedicate a lot of time and a lot of um, effort into just the technique of it, right? So be patient and do it for the love of it and love the process, not the end result. Otherwise, it's not going to be sustainable and you're not going to be in the sport for very long. And the name of the game of weightlifting is who's going to be in the game the longest, right? Who's going to be sticking around long enough to be, get really good? Um, there's very, very few people that show up and just get great. And those are the freak of natures. That's not the average. Um, for those who are going to be a nutrition coach, I would say the same exact thing. Go yeah. in it, loving the process. You are not going to be a great nutrition coach within a year or two. This thing is an ever long process. And just because you get a certification does not mean that you are a super qualified nutrition coach. As soon as you get a certification, you should automatically be still trying to get more education, more education, because one nutrition is in such its baby years of science that we don't know anything, right? Right. Like we could wake up the next day and everything is disproven. Like we've seen that, like we've gone through high fat diets, low fat diets, milk is bad for ulcers. And then next thing you know, we're proving that like, it's not milk that's bad for ulcers or, or anything like that. It's, it's, it's a, um, ever long process and, um, never be satisfied. As soon as you think that, you know, everything, you know, nothing. Right. Yep. That's um, solid advice. I love that. Yeah. So, um, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was done. I, was I just don't want to interrupt awkward, um, to fill the silence. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so what, oh, God, I, I really need to get better at that. Hopefully after like a couple more podcasts, I'll be better at not saying, um, I think I might even say it in our like official intro, but, uh, anyway, <laughs> to expand your knowledge, because obviously if you know everything, then you know nothing, right? Yeah. Um, what I do to expand my knowledge is, um, hi, I just said, um, uh, I listen to podcasts. I listen to people that are much smarter than me. Um, I read books that are of interest. Um, sometimes I'll transfer like previously because of the experience I went into a little bit of a hormone. And then now I'm kind of into like, nutrition and pregnancy and then also I'll have times where I'm going to performance and everything like that and the other way is just experience like there's one it's one thing to know about nutrition it's another to apply it to people's lifestyle and that takes experience right how do you coach somebody who is on the road 24 7 to be healthier that doesn't have, like you, there's no book for you to do that because each person's lifestyle is like a fingerprint, right? We are far too complex to think that it's an A plus B equals C formula for everybody, right? 
so how do you take your previous experience, learn from the mistakes that you made from previous clients, and then how do you improve that and apply it to somebody else's lifestyle, and how do you make adjustments? So um, creating experience, just getting out there and just start coaching is another way. And then um, getting experience from coaching athletes uh, within the field. Like this past weekend, I had the opportunity to actually coach a bunch of my teammates to make weight. This is my first weekend that I thought I was ready enough to not just focus on myself, but focus other pe on other people and help coach them through making weight. And I learned so much and I actually got to, an opportunity to talk to other people with their past experiences, those who have been weightlifting longer than I have. And I even talked to one of my friends who's a coach who sent me um, documents that he learned from and I get to geek out on that. So it's just accumulating knowledge over time. So. Yeah, let's pause on that for a second. It's hard enough to make weight yourself. Let's just take a a minute and then to make yeah. weight yourself and then coach what five people at the same time yeah yeah wow so i give you though. props i'm sure it was so much fun slightly so stressful fun. slightly stressful yeah <laughs> making weight um, can always be stressful though yeah this one actually i was going in thinking that it was really stressful but it actually went fine it was it was perfect. actually pretty easy. it was yeah, it was sailing barely so, had to do anything for our listeners, um, for Olympic weightlifting, you have to weigh in prior to competition two hours before, and you kind of declare a weight class, and it's usually a little bit around what you sit at, a little lower. Well, for I think girls is a little lower. Guys like to go up. Um, but yeah, so you have to actually be exactly on that kilogram the day morning of competition. So sometimes it can be stressful depending on your who you are, and sometimes it's very smooth sailing. So, I mean, congrats for doing that because that's hard. So good job this last weekend. Um, we always end with the question, what is something that you do to move your brain and move your body? But I feel like you answered it with expanding <laughs> your knowledge. So um, unless you would like to add to that, if there's something specific that you're reading that you're using to expand your brain, um, yeah, just let us know. Yeah, well, one of the things that I've been trying to do lately is um, like overall just mental health. I try to get outside more. Um, getting sun, vitamin D just helps get being uh, connected to nature and everything like that helps a lot too. So I always try to walk every day. And while I'm walking, I walk my dog and I listen to podcasts. That's I just amazing. try to absorb any type of information I can through that because. Um, it's just a great combination. You kill a couple birds with one stone and it's so relaxing. Like honestly, after I come back from a walk, I feel great. So that's how I move my brain and body at the same time. At the same time. Ooh. I do that too. I do that, too. I do that without well, the dog. Well, actually, so my puppy likes to try and like sabotage my walks because he finds oh. squirrels and other things to jump at all the time and oh, yeah. he was on my headphones and you know me but <laughs> but it still is more relaxing than sitting inside and you're so. still oh, moving yeah. your brain and moving your body so you're yeah. two birds with one stone yeah it's just hard not to be in a dog definitely means moving <laughs> yes, yeah it just means like stressing a little bit but it's okay it's all good it'll get better hopefully well this was super fun i'm so glad we had you on thank you so much where can thank people you, find you so yeah, so um, in nutrition coaching, and if you have any details on how they could get that, yeah, for sure. Uh, you easily find me on Instagram, 
Uh, my personal account is uh, the letters KC, then an underscore Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E, one. And then the Killer Nutrition Instagram is just at Killer Nutrition. And then we also have a website, KillerNutrition.fit, that's F-I-T. Um, all three of those are great ways to kind of just check in with Killer Nutrition and get a hold of me. Um, also, I love when people ask questions. I never get bothered by that. So reach out, ask questions, anything that I can help with, more than happy to. Amazing. So Thank great. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. We're so glad to have you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast. Join in every week as we release new episodes. Subscribe or leave us a rating at Apple Podcasts. If you have questions or topics you would like us to cover, please email moveyourbb at gmail.com or send us a message at our Instagram handles at megzy 72 and at Alina Canner. Thanks for listening.